Click, 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 flash, flash, flash. If you know, you know, that is, of course, I mean, my butch butchered version of the iconic Sierra song from the first Sex and City movie when Carrie is doing the Vogue shoot and trying on the all the gorgeous wedding dresses with Samantha and Charlotte in tow and Stanford. Because remember, Ram Miranda had to work. Um, and this is my part two of Friday's episode because obviously the first episode I talked about the Jesse Smollett trial and the verdict and everything that was about that. And then I thought I was going to have time to incorporate my thoughts and uh, a bit of a recap on the And Just Like That first two episodes, which is the next, next chapter of Sex and the City. But I thought it was deserving of its own episode, which is really true. So first and foremost, good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. It is I, Andrew DeVitri, the Mr. Pop Culture, here to deliver you some great stories. Not an array of stories, because it's obviously all coverage of the And Just Like That uh, premiere, which came out today. And it was superb, contrary to what people may think. And um, it, it definitely, uh, it, it knocked my socks off. And what's really interesting is, okay, obviously it streams on HBO Max. And Gossip Girl streams on HBO Max. Like Gossip Girl 2.0, as I like to call it. And both of these shows have like insanely loyal, devoted audiences. And there was a lot of expectations for both of these shows. Now with Gossip Girl, it far exceeded my expectations of how good it would be. And I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but I love it. I think it's so good. It's so smart. It's beautifully shot. Great diverse cast. And there's been, uh, you know, a little bit of sprinkling of some of the OGs in there. And then with Sex and the City, well, and just like that, it, the, same, the first two episodes blew me away too. I actually think the second episode was better than the first. And uh, I'll get into why. But first and foremost, major, 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 major spoilers are going to be... Um, I'm going to talk about plot lines, so... Spoiler alert. But with that being said, let's, let's talk about all things. So it obviously came out at midnight um, on the West Coast and 3 a.m. on the East Coast. I watched it when I first got up at 7 a.m. because I literally could not stay up that late because I watched episode four of Hawkeye. I got up at 3 a.m. and watched that. And I was like, my body can't handle that and have a really early flight. So I watched it when I first woke up and I was, I was gobsmacked. Like I was like, holy mother of Sarah Jessica Parker. This is some really, really good, uh, good, good shit. Um, and I never swear, but I am going to swear here. And of course, you know, the ending to episode one was, spoiler, big passes. And it was so shocking and I did not expect it coming. Um, but one of our stories has to do with that. But let's just, let's just read our stories because there's a lot to chit and chat about. So the big, the big like question sort of surrounding this second chapter is, they came control of it all, the Samantha Jones of it all. What are they going to do? How are they going to address it? And they did just that literally within the first two minutes of the series. And then obviously Samantha, uh, Carrie, and Miranda, SJP and um, Cynthia Nixon, had a more in-depth conversation about it, which I actually posted on my TikTok and it went pretty viral because it is a really like in-depth like, uh, picture of like what happened. So this, this first article is from E. How and just like that addressed Samantha Jones's absence. On the premiere episode for HBO's Sex and the City revival and renamed it just like that. Samantha Jones' absence was immediately addressed and explained away when longtime friends Carrie, SJP, and Miranda, Cynthia Nixon, and Charlotte, Kristen Davis, run into an old acquaintance. Shout out to the return of Bitsy Mon Muffling, Julie Halston. By the way, if you true OGs know Bitsy from that episode where she's dating Bobby, the pianist, who's played by the iconic Nathan Lane. And obviously, it's funny because it's like he's definitely he's very effeminate and they can't figure out why she's marrying him because they're like is he gay but he's it's, it's such a good episode it's a um it's a season finale of 
uh, I think season five, because um, Jessica Biel was pregnant, so there were only six episodes that season. It was so good, and they shot it in the Hamptons, and it's uh, when Berger and Carrie start, you know, they're flaying. I love Sex and the City so much. It's like, God. Um, okay, anyways, um, uh, they were asked about her, their missing fourth musketeer. And at first, what... At what first felt like a throwaway explanation, Carrie and company explained that Samantha was, quote, no longer with us. No, not in that way. And since Samantha Jones, played by Kim Cattrall, the show's original six-season run, was now off living in London. Of course, after decades of friendship, there was more to the story, and the show made sure to delve into it. Apparently, Carrie and Samantha had a fallout after the former let her friend go as her publicist. Quote, I told her that because of what the book business is now, it just... Didn't make sense, Carrie reflected in one conversation with Miranda. Quote, for me to keep her on as a publicist, she said, fine, but she fired me as her friend. Um, as the revealing chat continued, Carrie confirmed that Samantha stopped returning her calls. Miranda weighed in, quote, you know, Samantha, her pride just got damaged. Um, per the episode, Carrie repeatedly tried to reach out to Samantha to no avail. Quote, look, I understand that she was upset. She added, and this is very important, and I have a lot of thoughts about this. Quote, but I thought I was more to her than an ATM. Okay. So basically, after the breakfast scene, Carrie and Miranda are walking, um, and they have this conversation, which it, I thought it was really important that they did have this conversation because you couldn't just say she was living off somewhere and not go more into details. Like, Miranda, Samantha wouldn't just jet off somewhere. And I have conflicting thoughts about what they did with this. <laughs> First and foremost, what stuck out most to me about the conversation between Carrie and Miranda was when Carrie said, as JP said, I thought I was more to her than an ATM. Obviously, there have been rumblings in the ether that why Kim Cattrall and SJP have had this quote-unquote alleged feud is because of money. SJP was an EP of the original series. I've talked about this before. Was an EP of the original series. So obviously, she made significantly more money than the rest of the girls. For some odd reason, Cynthia and Kristen never took umbrage with this, but for Kim, it really pissed her off, which I get. Um, like, cause I, this is all alleged because this is what I've read online. I've read articles about this at the height of like, as of sex in the city, SJP was ranking in about 3 million an episode while the girls were making 300,000. Okay. And then first and foremost, obviously that's a big pay to this, 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 this discrepancy or disparage. I don't know the word. You know what I'm talking about? Understandable why Kim would maybe feel like, okay, well maybe we should make a little more money, but it's not SJP's fault. But what I guess could have bothered Kim was that Sarah was a producer and an executive producer, so she had power, the power to like make these decisions to raise the girls' salaries, but I don't know. Um, and then we, fam- we know that Kim famously went on to Pierce Morgan to like say all that stuff, which I'm not going to do now. I've talked about it multiple times. So that was really interesting that they brought up the money thing. So maybe what I thought, what, how I read into that was that Sarah was like, I thought I was more, when Carrie says I thought I was more to spend on an ATM, to me that, tra- that was translation in some subtle shade to, like, I thought it was more to Kim than just giving her a big paycheck, like... And then they talked about how they reached out to her, all three of the girls, but to no dice. It really did feel like this really is what happened, but they were masking it in character. So, and I know, because Michael Patrick King, who's the head, the head writer, the showrunner of the show, he also wrote The Comeback, and he always... And I've seen a lot of interviews about his writing style, and he, he says, I come from a place of truth. I like to talk about the truth of what's going on, and real life, how real life trickles into the, the narrative. So I really do believe this. Um, it was a really interesting thing, and I do wonder, and I just looked at Kim Cattrall's Instagram today. She, of course, has not addressed sex in the city or in just like that. She's in Italy at a delicious pasta restaurant being fabulous, living her best life, which I think is great. 
I do wonder if she's going to take a time to watch it, take a day or take, you know, the time to watch the show. I, it, 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 it's very much leaving the door open, though, however, for Samantha to come back. And um, there's another major moment that happens with Samantha. Spoiler alert, this is what happens in episode two, and I thought this was a beautiful moment. Obviously, at the end of episode one, Big passes away. Um, and the next episode is the funeral. And it's a beautiful funeral. It's so chic. It's like, I can't, I was, amazing episode. And obviously, Samantha's not there, but then Carrie has a casket and she sees flowers on the casket, to which she says, I didn't order flowers. I told them no flowers. And the, the women running, the, the women who organized the funeral give her a card and she opened it and she says, love, and the, and the letter says, love, Samantha. And Carrie says, I can stay. And it was like really heartwarming. So it was really interesting that they put Samantha in that good light, but in the first episode, it was like kind of throwing shade. So I, I don't know what the, what the thought process was there, but I... Hey, I mean, it was really good. It was really well done. I'm going to watch the first two episodes again tonight because I, I just can't get enough of how good this damn show was. So overall, I think they did a really good job with that. Um, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's, uh, what the Samantha narrative is going to be next, I guess. But speaking of SJP, SJP and Kim Cattrall, I actually came across this really interesting article um, on the New York Post, which, you know. Um, as Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall feud has astrological roots. Okay. Um, okay, I'm just going to read the section that I thought really... Okay, so what causes fiery mess and there is a chance... And is there a chance that the cast could reunite peacefully once again? Let's consult the stars because that's what this author does best. Sarah Jessica Parker's birth chart shows her strength. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker was born on March 25th, 1965. That makes her an Aries sun with a Capricorn moon. Her natal chart is predominantly composed of fire and earth, meaning that she's someone who can... Take her passion and harness it into action almost effortless, effortlessly. Um, she's as much a visionary as she is a doer, ready to not only strike out as a leader, but also unafraid to get down to work. That perseverance makes her a force to be reckoned with, which is why she has had such an iconic and extensive career. Of course, not even girls just want to have fun to um, that show she was on um, when she was a kid to, you know, all those like she is an like, amazing career. And this author also wrote, I remember my first introduction to her in the original Hocus Pocus. We'd watch it every year for Halloween and my grandma's. She was definitely a part of my gay awakening, which is how I feel too, because I remember being like eight and thinking, wow, she is fabulous. I remember that too. And I actually remember when a friend of mine, a girlfriend of mine told me when I was in middle school that Carrie Bradshaw was Sarah Sanderson. I was like, what? And then I was like, what the hell? Where have I been my whole life? Um, Parker's birth chart reveals she's immensely assertive in her Mars, the planet of drive, is united with Pluto, the planet of domination. She has a deep hunger um, for power, and this strong-willed mentality has led her to be where she is now. She's feisty, fearless, and calculated. She's a woman who gets what she wants. Okay, and then this is um, Kim Cattrall's birth chart shows she lives for self-transformation. Now, this is really interesting when I read this article, too. I know it has nothing to do with the show, but it's like I thought it was really interesting because I, I just love reading into this stuff, too, because I believe in it. Um, next up, we have the dynamic Kim Cattrall. She was born on August 21st, 1956. She's a Leo, like me. That makes her a Leo sun with an Aquarius moon right off the beat. Uh, sorry, right off the bat. I see she was born on a full moon, meaning that she is always eager to live large and be in the spotlight. With her being a Leo, this is intensified even more. Leos are known for their creative brilliance and star power. Kim Cattrall is definitely brilliant, and she is a star. But the thing that I found fascinating is that her sun is in the exact same place as Pluto, the planet of intensity, transformation, and power. That means she has tremendous resources of strength and willpower within her. She's unafraid to vocalize her beliefs and stand up before them. To her, self-transformation is a way of life. She goes through many rebirths throughout her lifetime, living 
in one incarnation, stage your relationship for a while until she has learned everything she can from it and then burns it down like a phoenix to rise again. She's like a phoenix from the ashes. This doesn't mean she's inherently destructive, but it does mean that she can be, she cannot be limited to one story or character for too long because once she has outgrown it, she cannot even relate to that place anymore. That makes her captivating to watch on screen and in the media, but also gives clear insight into why she's done with her work on the series. She followed that journey for quite a long time, past the point she had likely ever intended to control. To control is called to experience everything that life has to offer in a constant state of new beginnings. So that makes total sense. You know, she even said in the interview with Pierce Morgan where she, you know, threw that shade at SJB, she said, I played Samantha past the finish line and then some I'm just ready to move on, which is very believable. I mean, of course, I believe there's underlying things there that she maybe didn't talk about that are probably private. Um, but yeah, I definitely believe that, you know, shit happened and she wants, she wants to do other stuff. I mean, I can't believe she said no to all that money. That's what I think a lot of people are like, what? But she must have enough money that she doesn't even have to worry about it. So that's that. Okay. Um, the third thing I wanted to talk about off, you know, the spoiler alert, once again, ending of episode one, which is where Mr. Big passes. Peloton responds to the role their bikes played in the end, just like that death. This is from E! News. I literally, like, when I saw this, I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. We are not over the tragic end of Mr. Big's better than Jim workout. HBO Max's Sex and the City reboot and just like that arrived on December 9th, and it came with a storyline that no one was prepared for, the death of Mr. Big. Which, by the way, Sarah Jessica, her acting was so good. It was so... It was heartbreaking. It was a heartbreaking scene. Um, Now Peloton's cardiologist... Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum is addressing his fatal heart attack. In the first episode of the series, Mr. Big suffers a fatal heart attack after completing his 1,000 Peloton ride and getting a shout-out from his favorite instructor, Allegra. Later on, in the second episode, Miranda Cynthia Nixon, husband Steve Brady, David Einberg, who was so good in the show, I love Steve, um, mentioned that Big had heart problems, but Miranda explains that his cardiologist signed off on him doing the workout. And while Mr. Big's cardiologist may have given him the A-OK, Peloton's cardiologist is giving a, quote, big thumbs down to his extravagant lifestyle. I'm sure, quote, I'm sure SATC fans, like me, are sad about the news that Mr. Dig dies of a heart attack. I'm going to say that again. Quote, I'm sure that SAT fans, like me, are sad about the death that, oh my gosh, I'm sure SATC fans, like me, are saddened by the news that Mr. Big dies of a heart attack, said Steinbaum. Quote, Mr. Big lived what many would call an extravagant lifestyle, including cocktails, cigars, and big steaks and was at serious risk as he had previous cardiac event in season six. Oh my gosh, I just skipped the article. Um, she continued, quote, these lifestyle choices and perhaps even his family history, which often is a significant factor, were the likely cause of his death. Riding his Peloton bike may have even helped delay his cardiac event. So you're saying th- we should cut out our nightly cheeseburger, large fry, and cosmopolitan? Got it. That's what E! News trying to make a joke. Quote, more than 80% of all cardiac-related deaths are preventable through the lifestyle, diet, and exercise modifications, the cardiologist explained. And while 25% of heart attacks each year are in patients who already had one, like Mr. Big, even then they are very, very treatable. The lesson here is know your numbers. I mean, I understand why they address this, because obviously Sex and the City, well, and just like that, is a huge audience, and Peloton is a big, big, big company, so people are probably, a lot of Peloton writers are probably watching this show. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't rename it, but I, I, when I saw that, I was like, that's definitely a dig at them, because, you know, during the pandemic, so many people bought Pelotons because nobody could go to the gym, and they're like 3000 bucks, and I mean, I don't have a Peloton because I don't like biking. I mean, I do like going on a real bike, but also like, girl, you see my body? I'm like skin and bones. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really interesting, it was just, it was a really sad ending. I was crying. I really was. And then the opening of episode two was really sad too. And 
Yeah, but I thought that was really interesting that Peloton addressed it. But, you know, they want to keep their name clear. Okay. Uh, this brings us to our fourth and final uh, sort of addendum to what I've been talking about. This is from Deadline. Okay. This is actually the first thing I tried to read before I watched the show this morning, but I didn't have a chance to because I was too tired. Um, and just like that, review. Sex and the City Return, just not all that, as hard as HBO Max tries. Okay, this article is written by a man named Dominic Patton. I watched his video, too. I don't really agree with what he said, but I'll read it to you because I thought it was an interesting take. Um, we just can't stay who we were, as Cynthia Nixon's and Miranda Hobbs in the uh, says Cynthia Nixon and Miranda Hobbs in the opening episode of the Sex and the City sequel, and just like that. As true as the insight may be, it's also something that clearly runs counter to the desires of many fans of the HBO series that ended in 2004 and was followed by two financially successful films. Good news for hardcore fans. And just like that, season, sees Nixon's Miranda, Sarah Jessica Parker's Carrie Bradshaw, Kristen Davis's Charlotte York, and many of the game from the Darren Star-created SATC Almost unchanged in the post-pandemic 10-episode HBO Max series, which debuted its first two episodes today, as you can see in the video above. When you did, I, I watched the video too because I, I like sometimes like to you know visually see what these uh, reviewers say. As well, Sada Ramirez, Nicole Ari Parker. By the way, Nicole Ari Parker was fabulous as um, LTW Lisa Todd Wexley. She's so I love her so much. And Sada Ramirez as Che, so good. Um, and Sarita Chowdhury, who's going to be Carrie's high-end real estate agent, who we haven't met yet, but I'm a big fan of hers from Hunger Games. She played President Snow's um, Nigeria. If you, if you, true Hunger Games fans know. Um, uh, <clears throat> and are now part of the main cast of And Just Like That. Bad news for Sex and the City fans. There's really no Samantha Jones, Kim Cattrall in And Just Like That. At least not this first season. Even more lamentable, far too many 2021 cultural touchstones and new characters are awkwardly parachuted into the luscious-looking Michael Patrick King executive-produced revival of sorts, as if to check a box. Additionally, I know many people have said that too on TikTok, that they're just doing it to check a box, but they're not, they're not just adding a diversity. They've openly said that the first series, the original series, was famously all white. It's some random did that really hot um, black doctor of the Knicks. Uh... Uh, he's a really famous actor. I forget what his name is. But she had a relationship with him. That was diversity. But I get it. He wasn't a main character and the four leads are all white. So I get what they're saying. Um, additionally, far too many of the original characters now in the dusk of middle age in the show based on Candace Bushnell's writing are pretty much unchanged from who they were all those years ago, which is true and problematic. Chris Noth, Bridget Moynihan, David Einberg, Evan Handler, Mario Cantone, and the late Willie Garson are all also back in the Parker Davis, Nixon, and King E.P. series. Other and just like that, producers include blah, 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 it doesn't matter. Amidst the true red carpet of the NYC premiere yesterday, the first season of And Just Like That runs until early 2022. Again, check out his video, blah, blah, blah. Okay, this is on Deadline.com if you want to watch the guy's video. It's great. I mean, I don't really agree with what he's saying because they're still the same characters that just sometimes gone by. Um, I do have to say I loved, I loved seeing Charlotte with her girls, Lily and Rose, iconic. I loved Miranda's, it was hard to watch the scene with Miranda and her uh, new law professor. Um, Karen Pittman, I believe is her name, the actress's name, who's so good. Um, it was a really awkward, hard scene to watch, but it was good. And I also, I mean, Carrie was, she's a star, SJP, of course. Um... And I like Che. I thought the podcast scene was great. And I, I'm really looking forward to where the show is going to go. And I'm such a big fan of Sex and the City. And I, re- I knew it was going to be good. I knew it was going to be something I liked. And usually whatever the, pit- the critics pan, movie, TV show, or whatever, I'm always a fan of it. So that's when I know it's good, when the, when the critics say it's not good. But when the critics are like, this movie's so good, you have to say, I'm like, this is like really bad. What am I watching? Except for Game of Thrones, obviously. That was like a masterpiece. But of course, home at H- how's that HBO? Max. Well, HBO. Um, so yeah, that's my, uh, the, those are my thoughts on it just like that. And um, you should check it out. It's on HBO Max. First episode 
episodes are streaming. It's fabulous, iconic, it's great. And uh, that's that. Thanks, everybody, so much for tuning in. I'm Andrew Dimitri, the mistress of pop culture. Have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday with uh, whatever goes on over the weekend. And um, take care, everybody. Bye.